Welcome back once again to Search the Scriptures. Great to be together again. So wonderful to have you on that end of the radio dial, so to speak, and to be able here to be here with you, kind of like we're sitting around the kitchen table, opening up our Bibles, and uh, discussing God's Word together, studying it together. Great to be together. So thankful to have this opportunity each day to be on Search the Scriptures with all of our listeners. And we appreciate hearing from our listeners, and we do hear from many of you. We are so encouraged when we hear those who say, just really appreciate the teachings right from God's Word. We listen every day, or people tell us they listen very frequently. Maybe they don't have the opportunity to listen every day. Others listen maybe on a more sporadic basis because of their busy work schedules, but they still listen. You know, and they still catch us from time to time. We're so thankful to have the opportunity to be with each of you. And those who might be listening for the very first time, we're thankful, very thankful for you as well. And our prayer is that as you listen to search the scriptures and think about what we're trying to do, getting across the teachings from God's word, that you'll quickly come to realize that we do exactly as the name of the program suggests. We dig deep into God's word. We search the scriptures. We don't just talk about the Bible. We study the Bible. We don't just talk about belief in God. We try to help build faith in God. Faith comes, as we keep saying, through studying God's word. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And so we want to help you develop your faith in God. Now you might say, well, I already believe in God. I already have faith. We want to help it get stronger. So many people have faith in God, but they don't live faithfully before God. And we're actually going to talk about that some in our program today uh, because of the line of study that we're pursuing. But it's just a fact, and it's just, you know, kind of a blanket kind of reality. So many people believe in God. They have faith in God, but they don't live faithfully before God. We want to help you grow in your faith. We want to help your faith to become something that is vital and dynamic in your life, directing and guiding. That's what real faith ought to be. It ought to be alive, and it ought to be the governing or guiding and directing force in your life. Now, real that kind of faith, real faith, saving faith, is going to direct you to come to God for forgiveness for redemption, for salvation. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through or by me. John chapter 14 and verse 6. We want to help you come to salvation. We want to help you get to heaven. And let me tell you, we've talked about this from time to time in the program. Nothing matters in life except getting to heaven. Now, you can think about all the other things that might be important to you and that might really grab your attention in your life. None of that matters. Getting to heaven is all that matters. You're going to leave everything of this world behind you when you die. And then you're going to be faced with eternity. You need to be ready for that reality and that transition in your life. Now, someone might say, in fact, I had a lady pose this to me one time when I talked about how nothing matters except getting to heaven. 
And she suggested, well, what about bringing somebody with you, helping somebody else get to heaven? And my response was, if you're not going, you're not going to take anybody else with you to heaven. You have to make sure you're going before you can have that kind of positive influence in someone else and helping them get to heaven. So you need to make sure your focus is right. Getting to heaven is all that matters. Well, as you come to God through Jesus Christ, Jesus said that you need to believe in him with all of your heart, John chapter 8 and verse 24, and that believing in him, to that extent, you need to repent of your sins, Luke chapter 13 and verse 3. And you need to openly confess him as your Lord and Savior and God's Son, Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. And you need to put him on in baptism for the remission of your sins, as Jesus told the apostles to go out and teach to everybody everywhere, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. We want to help you get to heaven. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you. And we do indeed pray for you. Now, at the end of the program, we'll tell you how you can contact us. And we'd love to send you a free Bible study that we always offer. We send it all over the country, literally. And it is always free. We'll even take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. You can also receive a copy of today's program on CD. And again, it's free and we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. So have a paper up or a pen, I have a paper, piece of paper, and a pen or a pencil ready. At the end of the program, we'll give you that information, and you can jot it down and then contact us. We're going to continue a line of study that we began last time. We're talking about seven attacks on our faithfulness. Now, we're not talking about attacks from a foreign power of this world. I know that cultures and countries and nations and individuals are continually concerned about that potential. War is a part of life in this world. It pretty much always has been, and I think it will be until the Lord comes again. But that's not the kind of attacks we're talking about. Now also, attacks happen on a more personal basis where somebody might be out walking along the street, maybe after dark, maybe during daylight. Somebody steps out of a dark alley or from a doorway or from between two cars and pulls out a weapon and threatens them and attacks them in some way, or at least threatens the attack. Maybe they want their wallet or maybe they want to do something else to them. We're not talking about that kind of attack. Now those attacks, attacks of war or attacks of threatening violence, theft, robbery, beatings, those kinds of things, those are real and those are to be concerned about, but that's not the kind of attacks we're talking about. We're talking about seven lines of attack by the devil against our faithfulness. He wants to pull us away from God. The devil wants our eternal spiritual destruction. As we noted in our last program in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Peter says that we have an adversary, and that adversary is the devil himself. 
And Peter describes him as being like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Adversary means one, literally, who stands against you, and it's talking about an enemy. So the devil's our enemy. And Peter says he's like a roaring lion walking about seeking someone to destroy. Now, we're the ones he's seeking to destroy. He wants to destroy us spiritually and eternally. Peter says that we should resist him, and Peter says steadfast in the faith. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So our faith is vital to our spiritual well-being and our eternal, our, our eternal life. Now, we talked in our last program about the distinction in the different ways, at least three different ways, that the word faith is used. We talk about our faith, and that is our personal belief. And it's not a wild dream or a blind leap in the dark, as some people would accuse us of having, when it comes to believing in God and believing in Christ. But no, our faith, our personal belief, is logical, and it's based upon logical evidence. In fact, the Bible itself gives the definition of faith in a logical way. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so it is based upon substance and evidence. That's our personal faith. And we must have faith in God and in Christ if we want to be with them in eternity, in heaven. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, John chapter 8 and verse 24. Now our faith again, does not just happen to us. It's not something we catch, like catching a cold, but our faith develops as we study and understand, believe, and properly start to apply the teachings of God's Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And we are taught that Word in some way. Now, we may sit down and read it ourselves, but in some way, we are taught that word, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 23, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7. So there's, that's the faith. The word of God is described as the faith. And it is the faith upon which our personal faith is based. And it is from the faith, the teachings of God's word, that our faith is developed and grows. Faithfulness Faithfulness is the open demonstration of our faith. It is a lifestyle that reflects our faith on a consistent basis as we live by the teachings of the faith, which is God's word. Faithfulness, Titus chapter 1 and verse 9. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 14 and verse 15. That's faithfulness. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. In other words, live the life of faithfulness, and we will be with him in heaven for all of eternity. So the devil tries to break us down, tries to lead us to be unfaithful, tries to put chinks in our faithfulness to God. 
And in that way, he accomplishes what he is seeking to do, to do, and that is to destroy us spiritually, eternally, to lead us into eternal condemnation with him in hell. And hell is a real place. So we don't want that to happen. Now, James said in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So you see, if we walk with God faithfully, living by his teachings, then the devil loses. But if we don't walk with God faithfully, then the devil achieves his goal of leading us to spiritual condemnation and destruction. And that's what he wants. He's our enemy, our personal enemy, and he's God's enemy. How does the devil do that? Well, again, we're going to look at seven attacks on our faithfulness used by the devil. Now, I'm not going to suggest to you that these are the only ways he attacks our faithfulness and tries to pull us away from being faithful to God. But these are some pretty big ones that I think we can all relate to. Now, the first one, first one that probably everybody would think about almost automatically is temptation. The devil is masterful at challenging our faithfulness through seemingly attractive temptations. Now remember, the devil doesn't have to turn us into atheists or skeptics or agnostics to achieve his goal of our eternal condemnation. All he has to do is lead us into unfaithfulness, lead us to be unfaithful to God. And one of the most common and effective ways he does that, or at least tries to do that, is through temptation. Now, we talked about the fact that whatever temptations are facing you, that you're trying to deal with, that keep confronting you, whatever challenges, difficulties that you're facing in life, you're not unique, and those are not unique. We all face common temptations. We all face common challenges, difficulties, trials, tribulations, if you, if you would. We talked about how the Apostle Paul assured us of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 when he said, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. So there's no new temptation that the devil's throwing at you, that he's trying to use on you. Nothing that he has developed that is brand new that he's hitting you with. He's hitting you with temptations that mankind has to face on a common basis. Paul goes on and says, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will make the way of escape, that you may be able to bear it. So God is there. Now, he's not going to stop the temptations, but he's, going, he's not going to let you be confronted with a temptation that is so overwhelming that there's no way that you can say no to it. God will be there with you to help you overcome every temptation as long as you are there with God. Now, that means more than just believing in him, but you walk with him. Remember also, we looked in Hebrews chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 4. 
And it tells us there that even our Lord, when he lived in human form in this earth, he was tempted like as we are. Now, he did not give in to the temptations. But we know that he knows what we're going through because we know he went through that as well. So you're not being confronted with some brand new, unique temptation that only you're experiencing. You're not facing some special, unique, never-before-seen challenge or difficulty that life throws at you that the devil might use to try to break you down spiritually. It's all things that are common to mankind. Now, again, the devil is masterful at challenging our faithfulness through seemingly attractive temptations. Now, there's some things we look and say, well, it's just hard, too hard to go on. But there are other things that he paints in an attractive image that makes it look good when it is actually evil. In Luke chapter 8, beginning and uh, verse 13, Jesus talks about this when he's explaining the parable of the sower. He says the ones or the seed that fell in the rock or in the rocky ground are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root. No root. Who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. So even those who are new Christians, the devil then, he starts working on those, and I would suggest to you, in a more aggressive way, because he's lost them at that point. The point that they become a Christian, he's lost them. And now he's got to get back to work to try to pull them away from God again. In James chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, James says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation." For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. <clears throat> Let no one say when he is tempted that he is tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one, now that means you and me, is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The devil knows what you are particularly susceptible to, and he hits you with temptations in that area of your life. And he paints evil to look good, to look attractive, to look like something that is desirable. But all the time, the poison of spiritual death is there within that temptation that is leading you into sin. The Hebrews writer in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning with verse 13, says this, Exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. The deceitfulness of sin. 
Again, the devil makes sin look good. <laughs> and you know, in our culture right now, in our society, in our country, we see that at every turn. People who stand up for righteousness and say, we should not be doing that or that. That's wrong. That's, that's ungodly. Oh, so often they are put down, they are called terrible names, they are made to look like they are the sinners when they're simply standing for righteousness. And the ones who are living in the sin are made to look righteous by the critics of those who call sinfulness sin. Oh, the devil's skillful. He's a master. He tries to, to look, to make sin look like goodness, to make unfaithfulness look like reasonableness and even faithfulness. He's a master. He's skillful at his art and his craft. So we look here, we see there in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 that the Hebrews writer describes the deceitfulness of sin, deceiving us. That's what the devil does. And then he goes on in verse 14 and he says, we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence, in other words, our faith, steadfast to the end. That's faithfulness. Holding our faith based upon the teachings of God's word, the faith, steadfast all the way through our lives. That's faithfulness. And we need to be aware and we need to be on guard against sin's deceitfulness, against the wiles of the devil trying to exploit our weaknesses. And he knows what your weaknesses are and what my weaknesses are, and he'll hammer us in those areas of our lives. And he'll make giving in to those weaknesses, stepping into sinfulness, he'll make that look good. He'll make it look reasonable and desirable and pleasant. And all the time, it is to lead us into our destruction. Temptation. The first and probably the most prominent in our minds of the devil's attacks on our faithfulness. Now we'll look a little further in our next study together next time. Be sure to write down the information as to how to contact us. We'll give that to you in a moment and then contact us. Ask for the free Bible studies and again we'll take care of the postage. You can receive a copy of today's program on CD for free and we'll take care of the postage. We hope to hear from you right away.